Hello, and welcome to What Our Point We Do, where we bring together a variety of perspectives to discuss the biggest stories of the week and decide what our point, or in fact, there are no point at all. Please, if you like what you hear, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Today, it is Tuesday, June 8th. I have everyone with me. Hello, everyone. Hi, everyone. Hello. So, recently, there have been a bunch of cyber attacks on American things. There was the Colonial Pipeline, and now it was like um, a bunch of meat, co- or I guess one large meat company that controls a lot of distribution. And um, I was reading that somewhere in Russia, they now just sell like key turn ransomware kits. So you can just, anyone can go and get some Bitcoin and buy a ransomware kit and hold their local county, whatever, computer system hostage. It just seems like we're entering a crazy new Cold War kind of, or and, and now Biden is about to meet with Russia. I'm just wondering, there's this new conversation about, uh, should we go on the offensive? How does that even work? Like Nick, do we are we already on the offensive? Should we assume that we're like attacking Russian systems right now or no? We are not. I mean, not uh, th- again. This is n- this is the opinion of someone who reads newspapers, not the opinion of someone who is employed by a federal government entity. This is not again. This is my own personal opinion, not the opinion of any other government agency or whatever. I would like to point out that, from my knowledge, open source public information available in the media, I do not believe that we are going on the offensive. Or it has not successfully deterred hostile actions against the U.S. Is that something we should use? Should we go on the offensive? I think the term, the old axiom, the best defense is a good offense, is is true. I think there's another axiom, right? To neocons, no war is a bad war? No, that's a falsehood. That's a false choice. I think the other axiom, I would say, is if you want Peace, prepare for war. And if you want war, elect a Republican? No. Um, If I recall, like, didn't JFK get us into Vietnam? um... (laughs) When was the last? So that was in 1960s? And we were already in Vietnam. He just escalated it, I believe. I think that was an Eisenhower special. Um, Eisenhower assisted with the French Jinben Fu and stuff. He sent a very small force of intelligence personnel. I would not say he sent forces there. He sent some advisors. That's it. He did not send ground troops. JFK's success story, that and the Bay of Pigs. Escalating things is just going to obviously escalate things. Like, do no. you think they'll just attack back to us? Isn't it better to appease them, to, like, go and talk to Putin, ride no. on his horse, throw him around, play some judo with him or whatever? No, that's not what he... That's not how he... he the, the reason why bad state actors and these actors get away with it is because they can get away with it. I know that's a, you know, redundant, weird phrasing, but it, they do it because they can get away with it without any cost. So... Again, there is a little murky area between whether or not these are fully state actors or state-supported actors or just rogue actors that the Russians turned a blind eye to. But regardless of the fact is the Russians have the ability to stop this, and they're not stopping it. And so there needs to be a system of incentives for them to stop it, and that involves imposing costs on them for allowing this horrible behavior to occur. And the next thing, the next thing you'll see is, you know, granted, the Colonial Pipeline hack, meat hack, they don't kill people. They're a nuisance. They cost the government money. They cost consumers money. They cost companies money. They hurt the U.S. economy. But the way I see it going is the more they can, the Russians can get away with this kind of thing, the more likelihood of a cyber attack that would result in the loss of life. Like if you shut down a generator, an electrical grid, and a hospital goes down with no power, I mean, they have backup contingencies, but 
you know, something horrible could happen where people would lose their lives. And that that I think is an act of war. Regardless of I don't want war with Russia, I want peace and prosperity. But if a country is committing these acts against you, at some point you do have to respond kinetically or you do have to respond in a way that deters for for imposes costs on them in order to prevent this from happening again. And that's that's just plain, simple truth. Like, I'm not a warmonger for saying that kind of thing. That's just that's common sense. That's for that's that's for the preservation of our society. I mean, I guess what you're, you know, I kind of agree with what you're saying, that these things are mostly nuisances and to date have been relatively unimpactful, aside from getting a lot of idiots to go and like buy a bunch of gas and put it in plastic bags and stuff like that. I suppose I then just would question the upside of responding in kind to Russia. Like, would we ever even find out if we inconvenience them, given how good they are at suppressing news that comes out and you know what can we discover that's more incriminating than some of the things that putin's brazenly done in terms of like nerve gas attacks in europe and um throwing the opposition leader into a literal prison work camp you know like right what 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 is the upside there for the u.s putin's daughter lived in holland for a brief moment putin i mean indirectly that's something you could do is like steal information no i'm just saying that they have they have they have an accused heel they rely on oligarchs, allied oligarchs, to hide their money abroad. They potentially own property abroad. Wait, did you just propose killing Putin. Putin's daughter, though, Nick? Was that I your say proposal? Anything. I did not oh, clarify what I said. Is that they? What I meant to say <laughs> is that they have ties ab- outside the borders of Russia. Um, to sanction his daughter. Wait, no, the other thing I mean, his daughter I was no wondering... longer lives in uh, in Europe. Is, I mean, do you think that uh, these type of things could lead to the downfall of cryptocurrencies? Because that's how they're getting paid in all this. Could this like probably. quickly turn the tide on those? I mean, that's the downside of cryptocurrency to begin with. Is, is use Ethereum and all these other currencies are used by non-state actors and nefarious actors to commit crimes. I mean, I, I get that it, it's nice that they're not tied to governments or whatever. And my libertarian side says it's a good thing, but there is a, a downside to that. Yeah, I mean... Plenty of people use dollars for crime too, so that's true. Yeah, that's very, that's very true. Like every time I watch uh, Narcos on Netflix, great show, and he's just burying money under the ground, dollars under the ground. But you can track those at least a little bit, right? If you get, if you like, write some of the bills down, or if like a federal agent, I don't know. I've seen from my drug show watching, I think you can track dollar bills more than a Bitcoin, Dan. I know it is hard. Well. I don't know. The thing is, like, with, let's say, Donald Trump, right? Like, Deutsche Bank probably laundered hundreds of millions of dollars for him, and no one says anything, and no one cares. So, the traditional yeah, banking true. system, I think, is not really... Can money launder through the banking system, it seems like. So, what do you think of uh, the proposed international tax? It seems like the odds of it, it just passed the G7, which I don't think a lot of people expected, but now it has to, like, go to the G20. And I, I don't know, it seems like this is probably too much, biting off too much more than Janet Yellen can chew, but it seems like it's a move in the right direction. Do you see it actually being implemented or no? This is just going to fall apart. It seems like countries like Ireland or China not going to be interested. Yeah, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I mean, we don't have sovereignty over these other countries. I mean, a country could agree to this in the G7 and not enforce it or not abide it you know they come develop loopholes so i mean 
how, how does the U.S. regulate other countries' tax code? Well, I think it's all the I mean, G7 nations agree to it, and they all change their tax code, right? Well, I mean, but again, they can agree to something and not abide by it. That happens a lot in treaties. Kyoto well, treaties, then there would example. be there would probably be like penalties or something. I agree, it would be very complicated, but it seems like it's a push in the right direction. That you can't, it's going to stop the corporations can't just run to the most welcoming country. People don't pay taxes in the U.S. either, right? What were you saying, Ben? There was a an article published. Uh, yeah. So ProPublica released the tax returns of I think the 25 wealthiest Americans or something like that all billionaires and you know unsurprisingly they're paying basically nothing I think the Jeff Bezos literally declared managed to claim like various four thousand dollar child tax credits one year because his income his supported income was so low and you know obviously this is unsurprising because a lot of wealth is accumulated and not realized and that's at the point where income can actually or it becomes taxable income but it just really highlights the need to overhaul current tax codes, you know, especially given how many of these billionaires are, are evading simple things by, you know, borrowing gigantic lines of credit against the shares of the company that they already own. Essentially, they just pay interest rates on that, which is lower than what they pay in terms of income tax. So, I mean, there's certainly loopholes that have to be closed. It's really unsurprising, but pretty notable nonetheless it's pretty stark when you look at some of the numbers so what's the solution dan come on you're an ideas guy you've always got the big ideas you know thank you that is how i fashion myself i think there's a lot of things that are tweaks around the edges that can be done so right now let's say you're jeff bezos and you hold all your stock for your entire life and never sell it so you don't have to pay taxes on it you can then give it to your kids and your kids don't have to pay taxes on the gains so that's one that I think we should change. And there's also charitable deduction chicanery you can do. So there's stuff like that that I think we should really work on or that private equity funds can not pay taxes on certain things. So those are some comments and solutions that people have talked about for a while. And, and you think wealth tax is out of the question? I'm that's not really sure Kind of really work in practice or constitutionally, yeah, exactly. Got it. And so, what is what's the status of uh, the the most recent? Well, I guess arguments is more. I was gonna say uh, compromise in Congress, but it seems like there is no compromise. How is the the infrastructure bill is going through reconciliation now? Joe Manchin back on front stage, center stage. Joe Manchin always in the spotlight. He just, I don't know. We'll see. There's they're trying to get some stuff done before the summer. Now it's the middle of June, and there's hope to do something on voting rights and infrastructure, and we'll see if any of it happens. So it seems like Manchin has said, I want bipartisanship, and the Republicans have said, we won't be bipartisan. And so we'll see. I don't know. Apparently he was at Manchin and Cassidy and Cinema or something like that. We're at the White House today talking about infrastructure but then at the same time yeah schumer's drawing up a budget reconciliation bill for infrastructure so we'll see you're gonna try and do something in other news they passed the endless frontier act today which provided 200 billion dollars for uh, research funding for different diseases and fancy technologies so that was actually a good thing that flew under the radar and that's kind of how congress now works like if things get attention they don't pass if things get no attention then they're able to pass mm-hmm. yep well, my question about the Endless Frontiers Act is, didn't it kind of like, wasn't it kind of a bailout to universities as well? Like, 
Um, I mean, it was oriented. It was a Schumer Todd Young bill that was geared towards uh, uh, shrinking the the sort of divide, the sort of like almost like a new space race investment in higher ed to compete with China. But the, the way I think it was written, it was sort of like gave a lot of vague grants to universities, right? That they could just do whatever with. I think that's kind of the case for most research funding. But yeah, that's maybe a good thing. You kind of want to just say like. I don't know, here's some money for smart people to do cool things. And hopefully it turns out awesome. Hopefully. I mean, a lot of cool things like Tesla came out of the last type of funding like this. So that was pretty cool. SpaceX got NASA funding and that turned out pretty well. Well, the other thing NASA UFOs, space flight. UFOs are real, definitely. I think they're mostly spy drones from China that are just hovering over the United States at all times. I agree with you. And what are we gonna? What is what is the Democratic Party's position on deterring that? Uh, How is uh, the shoot Chinese them all technology down. that good? They must be everywhere if they're that good. I mean, all the we TikTok for sure people. have spy drones <laughs> over China. <laughs> I mean, of course we do. Yeah, but those don't look like flying TikToks flying against the wind at whatever sonic speeds. We're gonna lose this war. <laughs> this is what China's got. Come on, Nick's been right the whole time. God damn it. Yeah, we need we need Captain Miller, USMC F-18 pilot, and we also need the guy who looks like Jeff Goldblum to, to uh, get together. Is this an Independence Day reference? It is. It's, yeah, that's, I, I just remember Will Smith's character. I don't remember Jeff Goldblum's character's name. Why well, you remember his character name? That is sad. So do you think that there's like an alien and the uh, an Area 51? Like, do you think there's a a bunker with all these aliens fl- floating in fluid. I don't think Area 51 has aliens in it. I think it's a research Air Force research facility in Groom Lake, Nevada, according to Wikipedia. Yeah, I don't. I I think that you know we might not be alone, but the assumption that they visited here, I think, might be a little bit of a stretch. Like we're kind of yeah. apparently we're boring to them or something. We'd really fucking better hope that there's not aliens floating in tanks because then humanity is doomed. Just look up the. Fermi paradox. What what why what what does that mean? So the Fermi paradox is basically that if the universe is infinite and it's as old as we think it is, then basically the chances of life are basically almost universally 100% uh, mm-hmm. existing elsewhere. So the Fermi paradox is well, if that's the case then where is it? Why haven't we been able to see it? And then there's a few different solutions to it, nearly all of which are very bad for humanity and discovering life elsewhere would basically be the worst thing to ever happen in the history of humanity because we would be screwed. But what if it's just basic life? Like I was, I read some great New York times article from a physicist that looks for extraterrestrial life about how he finds it insulting that people think it's possible that these things could be aliens basically because his whole career spent trying to detect like, minor differences in these planets very, very far away that you might be able to detect as life. So, like, if they're emitting, you know, certain things that you can only produce if you have, have like, industrial equipment or... It, it's funny. I mean, obviously, all the things you're looking for are, like, city lights or things that humans do. So it's not, like, the most out-of-the-box thinking. I guess it's impossible to think outside of our own conception about what, you know, like, all aliens always are these just, like, skinnier, more, like 
infantile looking humans it's like we <laughs> we imagine aliens to be a baby in the future it's, it's like but why are they like, well so with the, the, the issue with that is so that's one potential solution <laughs> that like basically humanity is among the first like species to develop intelligent life and become sentient in the universe i find that possibility to be vanishingly small given how recent humanity is uh and how you know, little time it is since we've actually evolved, like diverged from Australopithecus and everything and Homo habilis. So like that possibility seems like minute to me. Basically, the idea is one solution to the Fermi paradox is that there's a great filter, right? That every sentient race uh, eventually gains the capability to destroy itself. And uh, that almost inevitably happens. So humanity is almost certainly past that point. We do have the capability of wiping out all life on this planet. That was probably uh, crossed by so the Manhattan all Project. intelligent life evolves to neoconservatism at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, but the Thank issue God. is like if that's if that's not the case, uh, and humanity is just like the first one to get through the great filter. That's like the only solution to the Fermi paradox that doesn't involve humanity becoming destroyed. And I think, given how old the universe is, the odds right. of that are vanishingly small. So discovery of life elsewhere is uh, is would be catastrophic. But why are they obsessed with our butts, like our anal probing? Mm, I think that's just a few weird movies that you've watched. Um, <laughs> no, I it happened to me. What's your browser history like, Nick? <laughs> the better question is, has anyone ever seen Honey, I Shrunk the Audience or Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or any of those? Yeah. I think yeah. aliens are probably really, really small. And that's why... They're able to come through and travel to space in UFOs is because they're so small. Right. It's easier. That's my I mean, it could be something as trippy as that. Or like they're not even physical. They're like a force. They're like from a different dimension. It's like something you can feel, not something you can actually perceive. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk That's about awesome. sports or something. What about mm-hmm. uh? What did y'all think of? What did y'all think of LeBron's exit, Dan? You finally, you finally agree that LeBron wasn't going to make it through. Well, I mean, Anthony Davis got hurt, so yeah, that's kind of critical. I would say one thing that's amazing is how good the Brooklyn Nets are. They might not lose another game and just win the title. Yeah, that would be kind of amazing. They they do look unbeatable, mm-hmm. but I think I think that people aren't giving the Suns enough credit. I think they have a chance. Nick's Clippers look pretty tenacious. Go Clips! Glad Jokic won the uh, MVP. It's kind of cool to have a European MVP of the league. And a center. Yeah, a center. Not like the best shot. passing center. Yeah. Who among the NBA is an alien? Yeah, like, was Larry Russian. Bird? Was Larry Bird human? Probably. Uh, he did play, he did play in a superhuman way, right? Awkwardly tall white dude. Like, yeah. Larry Bird was... <laughs> I don't think Larry Bird was an alien. I always thought uh, Shane Battier had, like, an alien-looking head. You can see that. Yeah, that's my top pick. Or Steph Curry might be an alien. No one's supposed to shoot that well. It's true. If you want to go that way, you got the Greek freak you could call an alien. I have a philosophical question. Do you think that there's, like, an alien life form on another planet that are just that are discussing their form of sports on a podcast? Like, Zardu476 played this weird sports game really well, and then they're, like, comparing notes. It depends yeah. on how big you think the universe is. If you think the universe is very nearly infinite, which some uh, astrophysicists do believe, then yeah, that's probably going on. So they, they're into podcasting, too? Yeah, or whatever. Wait, how, that is. how is Zardu472 doing this year? <laughs> 
<laughs> they're probably going to win the Spike Cup, but we're not really sure. <laughs> Please edit this out. Please edit this out. I sound like a lunatic, but yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Right, yep. Just this one. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please tune in next week when we'll be discussing Biden's international travels and the start of the Euro 2021. Stay safe and talk to you next week.